You obviously know Kung Fu. Hey, what's up? It's Ernie Reyes Jr. from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. <laughs> A rogue ninja assassin clashes with a headstrong kung fu master over a vengeance quest that spans a generation. But when a common enemy threatens them both, can these warriors make their peace, or is it doomed to be a deadly alliance? Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. And who needs Ninjago when we can go ninja in the dragon's den? In a recent mini-episode, I featured the outstanding short film The Challenger, directed by Bao Tran. Now, one of Tran's mentors as a filmmaker is Corey Yun, who's widely recognized as one of the top action film directors in both Hong Kong and the United States. As an actor, Corey Yoon was one of the famed Seven Little Fortunes from the Beijing Opera School, along with his very good friends Jackie Chan, Yun Biao, and Sammo Hung. He had memorable roles in some old-school kung fu classics like The Invincible Armor and Dance of the Drunk Mantis. As an action choreographer, he's worked on such films as Lethal Weapon 4, Romeo Must Die, and The Expendables. His U.S. debut as a director introduced the world to none other than Jean-Claude Van Damme in No Retreat, No Surrender. But it was this film, Ninja in the Dragon's Den, that marked his feature film directorial debut in Hong Kong. The film opens up with a shot of the ocean as waves swell across the water. The camera then cuts to shots of the barren beach, then to a long shot of the sand with the ocean just behind it. The camera slowly pulls in when all of a sudden, seven ninja heads pop right up out of the sand and start racing across the dunes. Now... I rarely talk about the soundtracks in a movie unless they really stand out in some way. This intro song fits that build to a T. Have a listen. That was The Legend of the Ninja, written by Casey Rankin and John Scott, and performed by the Alfredo Chen Singers, courtesy of Columbia Records. And this magical piece of music plays while the ninja go through various training sequences, like flipping over walls, scaling rock faces, and burying themselves in the ground. And it's not the last time you're going to hear that song, trust me. And if you aren't singing Shaka Ninja right now in your head, then you are most likely dead inside. As for this film, 
I feel like I need to warn you that this film is just bizarre. So strap in, you'll see what I mean. We cut to a very stern looking ninja as he's gearing up for a mission. The ninja, Genmu, played by Hiroyuki Sonata, is putting on his mask and taking his sword from his wife, Akane, who doesn't look very enthusiastic about whatever Genmu's about to go do. Now, you might recognize the young Hiroyuki Sonata from his later roles as Dojin from the Lost TV series, or as Oishi from 47 Ronin. And according to Wikipedia, he's also going to have a role in an untitled Avengers film slated for 2019, so let's keep an eye out for that. The scene cuts to several Japanese riders on horseback, charging over a hill while Genmu races on foot through the forest. He's busy lashing some rope to the trees as the riders approach. Then, as the Legend of the Ninja once again blares on screen, Genmu ziplines across a massive lake, then drops down into the water only to emerge on the other side where he clambers up some trees like a monkey. As the riders reach his location, Genmu tosses a smoke bomb and uses the cover to drop down onto the horse of one of the riders. Genmu then quickly and cleanly whips out a short sword and straight up beheads the rider. He then chases down another rider and pulls him off his horse and stabs him to death in the reeds off the side of the road while the other horsemen just ride by. We then cut to a dark ninja dojo where a scarred old master is issuing an edict to his ninja clan. You have a choice. You can sit on your lazy cowardly asses and wait to get bumped off one by one. Or you can catch the shadow. You must seek him out wherever he may be hiding. Apparently, Genmu's been cutting down Japanese officials with no explanation, and the country's losing faith in its ninja protectors. Speaking of Genmu, we cut back to his home as his wife Akane is delivering a message to him. The message is a simple drawing of a boat, but to Genmu, it means that they gotta pack up and move with haste. It means we must prepare to travel. Am I to know where we will go? We go to China. We then travel by map to a tall Chinese pagoda and move inside to an unnecessary close-up of an unnaturally sweaty male nipple. The camera pans across the guy's chest to reveal Conan Lee playing Jay as he's in the middle of training on a ropes course where he leaps from rope to rope in various acrobatic gymnastic style moves. Fun fact, Conan Lee was born in Hong Kong but he was raised in Queens, New York as Lloyd Hutchinson. Lloyd? That's right, your son, and it's Lloyd. No. L-L-O-Y-D. I named you. Anyway, Jay finishes his workout and we're introduced to Charlie, a knucklehead buddy whose primary interest is porno mags. Now, these aren't the glossy print mags of yesteryear, or there certainly wasn't any Pornhub around, so Charlie's perfectly content with ancient handbound collections of naughty ink drawings. No judging. While the two argue over Charlie's creepy habit, some fireworks go off in the distance, signaling the start of a festival. Jay and Charlie decide to attend, but Jay insists on a unique way of exiting the tall pagoda. Hey, why waste time with the stairs? Very funny. Today you're going to do it my way. We'll fly down. Charlie is sickening at the idea of hopping out the window, but Jay insists. The pair then begin rappelling down the building, but Charlie's rope slips out of his hands and he starts to plummet fast. Only a large knot at the anchor end of the rope stops his fall before he splatters himself all over the stone steps. In town, the festival is in full swing, complete with dragon dances, kung fu demos, and more fireworks. Jay and Charlie take in a show where several performers are on high stilts. One actor portraying the bull devil starts rampaging through the crowd, kicking people with his stilts. The other actors, portraying the protective gods, band together to try and subjugate him. We watch as the performers begin to play fight all while on stilts. However, the bull devil starts to get a little carried away and actually begins hurting the other performers. Jay, donning a monkey mask, gets involved because Jay's always down to mix it up. Fight scene. 
Jay has gotten his hands on some stilts as well and charges right at Bull Devil while showing off his agility, even on stilts. The fighters move into a fairly normal kick fight, save for the fact that they're kicking at each other from 10 feet off the ground. Jay even manages some fancy footwork by dancing around like a boxer. It's a really unique fight sequence because both fighters have to maneuver around random objects like climbing up on tables then flipping off of them. At one point, the stilts get stuck in some soft sand so both fighters slide out of their stirrups and step from stilt to stilt while throwing hands at one another. When they get loose, Jay starts to press his skills advantage and sets Bull Devil on his heels. When he gets Bull Devil on the ground, Jay kicks hard at his stilts, snapping them in half and eventually just overwhelms him leaving him to the mercy of the angry crowd. We then cut to an idyllic house set on a river, with a big water wheel turning right outside. Inside, Jay's Uncle Lee is polishing some metal when he hears Jay call out to him. The pair chatter a bit about Kung Fu, and Uncle Lee does what he does to keep Jay humble. A true master is one who has mastered himself. But you, you learn Kung Fu just so you can show off. Jay's a really boastful type who's constantly itching to use his Kung Fu to show just how much of a badass he really is. He brags about being able to protect his uncle, but Uncle Lee waves him off, saying that he can take care of himself and he fears no one. Put a pin in that. Now we get a few minutes of some lighthearted humor between Jay and Charlie to reinforce their friendship and kind of break up the movie a little bit. Jay's working out by doing some one-armed push-ups while reading a book, and Charlie's also reading, but his reading material is probably better off laminated. Jay, the busybody that he is, tries to calm Charlie down by insisting that he take a cold shower. When Charlie refuses, Jay lights his ass on fire, which prompts Charlie to jump into a basin of laundry water. Later, Jay continues his self-help reading and offers Charlie a challenge. He wants Charlie to take one of his slingshots and try to shoot him. Jay plans on practicing the art of deception to avoid being hurt. Charlie selects the biggest slingshot in the room, while Jay heads outside to start moving around just behind the shoji screen doors. Charlie loads up the giant slingshot and aims at Jay's shadow. Jay ducks around for a bit, and then we see that he started using cutouts to mislead Charlie. As he's goofing around, his teachers start walking by, so Jay vamooses and hides before he's caught. But he doesn't tell Charlie this. Charlie, still trying to plunk Jay, takes aim at a shadow approaching and lets a huge rock fly. The rock rips through the screen and pops the teacher right above his eye. When Charlie opens the door, the teacher's there with a mammoth bump on his forehead and a big old backhand for Charlie. Hey, do you like movies? Hey, do you like podcasts? If you do, then come on down and listen to the Home Video Hustle podcast, homie. Hustle, hustle. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Well, every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I pick a bunch of movies at random. Sometimes there's a theme to it, sometimes not. PJ picks the movie out, and guess what? We watch it on Friday. We talk about it for about maybe an hour, hour and a half, whatever we feel like doing. Might give you something good to watch, baby. Come on down every Friday. So come get your hustle on with Home Video Hustle. You can find the show on any podcatcher app, or you can come down to homevideohustle.popbean.com, all of them in one place for you, so you can go ahead and binge it like it's Netflix. We ain't the Defenders, yeah. but I like to think we a little bit better than that. <laughs> Come out at your boys, man. Come chill with us. Peace. Peace. We then catch up with Jay, who's doing some training by the ocean as his Uncle Lee watches from some nearby rocks. Jay notices that his uncle's lost in thought and casually mentions that he always looks sad when he starts thinking about the past. Jay notices a dark cloud bank rolling in and points it out to Uncle Lee. Cloud banks in the east. <laughs> We then cut back to that boat that Jen moves on as he drops anchor after finally arriving in China. 
We watch as once again he gears up, but we don't see where he's headed. Instead, we cut to an open-air tea house where a demonstration is taking place. Some performers are touting their mystical godlike kung fu powers, and Jay's in the audience, watching with disdain. The main performer does some overacting as he prepares for his demo, and then begins to show off his skills. He easily scales some stacked tables, and even stands at 90 degrees from one of the table legs, just like Spider-Man. Genmu, pretending to be mute, walks in and takes a seat, just as Jay decides that this kung fu charlatan needs to be taught a lesson. Noticing that one of the table legs is resting on a teacup, Jay tosses a rock, shattering the cup and collapsing the entire stack. The Kung Fu Master looks up and notices Genmu gesticulating wildly and figures it was him who sabotaged his act. He leaps up high and kicks through the floorboards hard enough to pop Genmu from his chair and over the railing to the floor below, where he's grabbed up by some of the Kung Fu God's lackeys. Genmu plays along for a little bit, though we see that he's obviously holding back for some reason. Jay notices the shenanigans and calls the Kung Fu God out. Wow. I guess it takes an awful lot of power to beat up on some poor guy who's being held. I'll lay odds you wouldn't try the same thing with somebody who might fight back. Do you want to volunteer? The Kung Fu God tries to repeat his floorboard kick, but Jay anticipates it and shifts just enough to let the kicks come through the floorboards, at which point Jay plants his own kick and sends the charlatan to the ground in a heap. Jay jumps down and then takes on the Kung Fu God and all his cronies, and Jay easily outclasses these guys, so he spends much of the fight insulting their skill. The Kung Fu God's so incensed, he whips out his special God skill Kung Fu, but Jay simply mocks his efforts. We get some close-ups of footwork as the fighters try to get leverage, then a few overhead shots that show just how inept this fabled Kung Fu God really is. There's a great mix of humor and acrobatics that maybe not quite matches up to Jackie Chan's styling, but is enjoyable on its own merits. Jay's insults are spot on. If you keep falling on your ass like that, you'll suffer brain damage. Watch for a spectacular box jump leap by Jay to a tabletop about 12 feet up off the ground, followed by a very cool obstacle course battle. When Jay's done humiliating this clown, the Kung Fu God pouts and swears revenge. I'm warning you, this sacrilegious insult will be avenged by my father. He'd better be better than you are, Mr. Magnificent. Back on the boat, Genmu's polishing his sword. No, no, seriously, he's actually doing maintenance on his sword. When his wife walks in to try to convince him to stay home and not leave on his mission. But Genmu basically tells her to suck it up. No, no, wait, not like that. I mean, he tells her to deal with it because that's how he rolls. Don't worry, Akane. I'm not ready to die yet. Genmu gears up again and heads out. Back at Uncle Lee's place, the ill wind's whipping things up around the house, so he heads inside to settle down. As he's washing up, a ninja crashes up through the floor and pounces on Uncle Lee. Genmu, sword in hand, starts chasing Uncle Lee through the house. Uncle Lee's confused but manages to evade the attack. Genmu puts on a hell of a parkour show as he leaps and spins all around the room. The chase moves outside to the water wheel where Uncle Lee tries to keep Genmu a good distance away and tries to figure out why this is all happening. What have I done? What is this all about? Please tell me! I don't understand! You have a short memory. What are you talking about? Remember Genboku? Huh? You do remember. After a flash of recognition on Uncle Lee's face, Genmu kicks at the water wheel and sends Uncle Lee into the river below. Genmu dives in after him and there's a spirited tussle right up against the rapids. Genmu hacks and slashes his way through the water while Uncle Lee does a lot of backpedaling against the current until the superpowers kick in and both he and Genmu leap out of the froth like salmon swimming upstream and take the fight to the rocks on the bank. They face off for a second 
and for some inexplicable reason, take the fight right back into the water. As Genmu continues to press forward, Jay arrives in time to watch his Uncle Lee get a nasty slash. Genmu, noticing Jay, tosses a smoke bomb his way, which slows Jay's advance. Genmu then turns and tosses another small charge at the house, but this tiny little bomb must have been packed with uranium P-238 because the entire house blows up like it was nuked from space. As the house burns, both Uncle Lee and Genmu disappear, and Jay is left alone to try and track them down. We then cut to Uncle Lee, who's opening up a chest, revealing a cache of ninja weaponry. He pulls out a sword, then sheathes it back up with a cold look in his eyes. In the forest, we follow Genmu's feet as he moves from tree to tree, and below him, Uncle Lee, now in full ninja garb, has been tracking him. A stray crack alerts Uncle Lee to look above, where he spots Genmu. He tosses a grappling hook up towards a tree, but Genmu snags it and then uses it as a pulley to lower himself to the ground. The two ninjas grapple for a bit, playing tug-of-war with the hook, and they dance around one another without many punches thrown. They're more just sizing each other up when Jay tracks them down and tosses his own hook into the mix. The three warriors stand locked in a standoff for a bit until Jay lets go of his end, then charges in with his sword. And we get a furious sword fight now as all three throw the steel around. Jay keeps trying to push his uncle out of the fight, but Uncle Lee's not having it. Genmu has an easy time staving off the dual attack, especially when Uncle Lee falls to the ground and takes another slash. Jay has to step in and puts up a furious defense, then quickly spirits Uncle Lee away, leaving Genmu's mission unfulfilled. For now. Jay rushes Uncle Lee back to his pagoda where he starts tending to his wounds. As Jay's looking over the gash in Uncle Lee's arms, a ninja pops up out of the shadows and surprises the pair. Jay turns quickly and lands a strike that sends the ninja backwards, where the ninja starts to laugh, because apparently this ninja was just Charlie in disguise. Jay, who might have killed Charlie if he didn't reveal himself, sets Charlie straight and together they start working on Uncle Lee again. A little while later, Jay's brooding over what just went down. I don't want to pry into your past, but this man's trying to kill you, and I have a right to know why, haven't I? Uncle Lee goes on to explain that in Japan, he was a ninja assassin, and the guy trying to kill him is a highly skilled expert, whose motives are a little complex for Uncle Lee to explain just at that moment. Jay isn't put off by the ninja's expertise, however, and stubbornly maintains that if he tries to hurt Uncle Lee again, Jay's going to be there to stop him. Meanwhile, just outside, a ninja's slinking around in the darkness when he spots Jay through a window. Jay, already on high alert, catches the shadow moving and moves closer to engage. Just below the windowsill outside, the ninja crouches and waits for Jay to draw closer. The ninja stands up a little too soon, and Jay pounces. Jay does a quick spin, then plants a kick right in the ninja's chest, but instead of fighting back, the ninja starts stammering and rips at his hood, revealing himself to be Charlie again. Because apparently, he didn't learn the first time that Jay nearly killed him not to dress as a ninja. Charlie whines that Jay could have actually killed him, but that one day, he'll have had enough practice to be able to hold his own against Jay. Jay dismisses him, so Charlie dejectedly heads home, mumbling about how one day, he might be a real ninja. As he trudges home through the darkness, he gets confronted by Genmu, who promptly knocks him out, then slides into the pagoda, looking for Uncle Lee. Jay overhears the commotion and hurries from his room and heads right in after Genmu. He cuts off the ninja, and the pair exchange a few blows, but it never escalates. Now then, you're pretty brave attacking an old man, but you'll have to get past me first. Okay, should I do my movie voice? Yeah, do it. Hi, this is a beardo and a weirdo talk film. A movie podcast. Actually, it's, isn't it a film podcast? Because it's called A Beardo and a Weirdo Talk Film. A Beardo and a Weirdo Talk Film. A film podcast about films. <laughs> F-I. 
L. F to the I to the L M S. Films, yeah, we talk about films, don't we? We talk about old films, mainly new what, films, though. What about, Matt, enlighten me. What, what was the film we just reviewed? Um, I believe it was Fantastic Beasts Ooh. and Where to Not Find Them. Ooh. And and what was your rating out of out of the Matt 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 out of ten? Uh, that was a reasonably warm seven out of ten. What was yours, Joe? I gave it an eight. An eight. An so eight. You, you think it's slightly better um, than me, but a dirty slut who just gives everything away. You just give it away, didn't you? Just you? take it, take it, take take the eight, take the eight, take it, take it deep. You know you, know you want the eight. But yeah, uh, you can find a podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud. There's YouTube, but there's no video footage, so you just listen to it and look at a picture of us. So uh, that's good. Yep. And Eddie Redmayne has autism, and he guns a lot. <sighs> I can do magic, me. It's all started to fall into place. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, Genmu throws a mean mug, then turns and continues on his hunt with Jay hot on his heels. Now we get a really cool sequence where there's no fighting, just lots of evasion and hyperkinetic movement. Both fighters spend a good amount of time leaping around the room and just kind of ducking each other. Jay's trying to keep Genmu contained while Genmu just wants to get to Uncle Lee and get this whole business over with. Welcome to the Ninja Hotel. Ninjas check in, but they don't check out. Here, Jay has led Genmu into a room that is loaded with booby traps specifically for ninjas. Because sure, he maneuvers Genmu into position to get caged, but as skilled as Genmu is, he doesn't stay there for long. After busting out of the cage, the warriors again chase each other around, and this time Jay gets caught by one of the booby traps in this incredibly bizarre torture chamber of a room. Genmu tries to leave Jay trapped, but instead runs into a door that goes nowhere. Jay, meanwhile, gets free and just continues to mock Genmu. Oh, ninja. Quit trying to get away. You're stuck. Now don't you want to talk it over? Genmu decides that he needs the cover of darkness to help him get out of this place, so he starts snuffing out the flames of all the candles one by one. But as quickly as he douses them, Jay's following right behind, relighting them. Along the way, the pair do get to spar a little bit, which distracts Jay from getting the candles all lit again. Now, in nearly total darkness, Genmu takes some pot shots at Jay, until Jay notices some silver dust in the paint on the dead end doors. So he grabs some of the dust and sprays it in the air, and it partially sticks to Genmu. Now, with the help of the reflective dust, Jay catches a glimpse of light, which helps him target Genmu. And Jay does snag him for a bit, but Genmu digs into his ninja bag and unleashes a smoke bomb, which starts to choke Jay. With little choice, Jay's got to open up an actual door to let some air in, and that's when Genmu makes his big escape. Jay tracks Genmu outside and follows him as he makes his way back to the boat. Jay catches up, but as he reaches the boat, Akane greets Jay and offers him some tea. There's a language barrier between the Japanese Akane and the Chinese Jay, so Jay just bides his time all while staring at a shadow of Genmu tucked right behind the screen. As Jay pretends to drink his tea, Akane hands him a note that reads, Goodbye, sucker. And Jay pops to his feet to confront the shadow, only to find that it's a dummy, and Genmu has eluded him yet again. Genmu has in fact made his way back to the pagoda and snuck into Uncle Lee's room where he quickly creeps up on sleeping Uncle Lee, then slices across his neck and wraps the head up in a bag and sprints back to the boat. There with Akane watching, Genmu unwraps the bloody package only to find a dummy head made from a pig's ass. While Jay and Charlie are celebrating their prank, Uncle Lee warns them not to underestimate Genmu. And again, now in a bizarre and completely random sequence, Genmu drops out of the ceiling but Jay's ready and he tosses a candle at him, which sets his outfit on fire. Genmu, now burning, runs and dives into a small pond outside the pagoda, but, for some reason, this pond has now been filled with kerosene, 
and goes up in an immense fireball. And yet, much to Jay's amazement, Genmu manages to slip away unscathed anyway. We now cut to a misty hillside where Uncle Lee, dressed in traditional Japanese garb, meets up with an old friend from his days in Japan. Here we learn the root of Genmu's mission. Genmu's been hunting down the men he thinks are responsible for the death of his father. Uncle Lee and the stranger are the last two on his hit list. Meanwhile, Genmu's preoccupied with treating his wife, who's now suffering from some bad cough. He decides that she needs some medicine and has to head into town to find it. So, of course, he winds up at Charlie's pharmacy. Charlie, who's minding the shop, thinks Genmu's being a rude customer, so he toys with the idea of filling his prescription with rat poison instead. Back at the pagoda, Jay learns from a note that Uncle Lee has decided to leave China for Jay's own safety. And while I haven't always expressed myself openly, know that I feel great pride and love for you. However, every man's life is beset by devils, some of his own making, others not. I go now to face my devils, and I shall not return. He leaves Jay a half a Buddha pendant and tells him that if he ever finds the guy who's got the other half, he should embrace that man as a brother. Back on the boat, Genmu's taken Charlie hostage as he prepares the medicine for Akane. Charlie thinks he's about to drink rat poison, but instead, Genmu forces Charlie to drink it first. Now convinced that he's ingested a lethal dose of poison, Charlie starts to go hysterical, especially when Genmu brings a cup of the liquid over to Akane. But it seems that Genmu was a step ahead of Charlie, and somehow got legitimate medicine instead of poison. As he turns to go back to Akane, Genmu is shocked to find the scar-faced ninja clan leader walking onto his boat. It was easy once I knew it was you. Okay, now you've found me. Hmm. What do you think you can do? I will do what I came to do. I will destroy you. Destroy me? Don't be too sure you can do it. Old man. The old man throws the teapot at Genmu, but Genmu goes all Spider-Man as he leaps up to the ceiling. But at that moment, the ceiling comes crashing down as several ninja fall into the room. And while the old man sits quietly at the table, three ninjas start battling Genmu, who is more than capable of handling these warriors. Even armed with swords, daggers, and hooks, the ninja just can't pin Genmu down. Literally, because Genmu's moving all over the walls like a lizard and staying just out of their grasp. When Genmu does get his hands on a sword, he starts slicing up the ninjas and even tosses one onto the table in front of the old man. The old man is so pissed at his squad that he snaps the fallen ninja's neck for being such a loser. Now we get an epic sword battle between student and teacher with the fight ranging all over the room. From the windows, to the wall, till the sweat drops down and falls, till all them ninjas crawl. Alright, speaking of crawling, Genmu again works the Spider-Man powers as he avoids the old man's attacks. With all of his commotion going on, Akane wakes up and decides she's going to pitch in and help her husband. As she slides up against the shoji screen door, Sachiro, the old man, whips out a dagger and stabs at her, spraying the screen with blood as Akane screams. This enrages Genmu, who lurches forward and unleashes holy hell on the old man. He then whips out some wire and garrots him. Now, instead of checking on his dying wife, Genmu gets his rage on and instead picks out a sword and heads out, leaving the carnage and Charlie behind him. At that moment, Jay arrives to find Charlie and the bloody mess left behind but he gets so worked up when he finds out that the ninja is behind all of this that he heads back out before Charlie's even fully untied. That's when we see a flash of a dagger that comes down towards Charlie, but only serves to cut the rope binding his hands. But holding the knife is Akane, who's most certainly not dead. In fact, when a startled Charlie thinks he's seeing ghosts, Akane holds up a dummy head that looks like her. Which begs the question, 
did Genmu just not care that his wife was just killed? Is Akane faking her own death for some reason? And what kind of wife fakes her own bloody murder? Hey everybody, I'm here to talk to you about a new fun podcast called One More Drink. It is a show about life, love, and everything nerdy. So if you're into comic books, dating, other kind of crazy, goofy things that we're going to talk about, you can join me, Blake, April, Yo, Terrence, Hello, everyone. and Andres. Hey guys. Every single Friday for some fun conversations and some fun talks. My mom likes it, and she has a degree from a college, so that must tell you something. Obviously, this is the show for you, it's the show for me, it's the show for everybody. One more drink every Friday, wherever <laughs> podcasts are found. We then catch up with Jen Mu as his sprint through the forest is interrupted by the theatrically grand appearance of Uncle Lee, or as Jen Mu knows him, Fukuda. Uncle Lee then tosses a number of smoke bombs at Jen Mu, then leads him on a chase through the trees. Both Jen Mu and Uncle Lee spend a lot of time leapfrogging their way through the forest until they get to a clearing by a lake. Here, the ninjas face off with their swords drawn, ready for battle. After a few cursory swipes, Uncle Lee steps back and tells Genmu a lot of what he never knew about his own father. According to Uncle Lee, Genmu's dad, a former ninja colleague of his, was just too good-hearted and compassionate to be a true ninja. He recounts a tale of a battle where Genmu's dad, while fighting off a few dozen soldiers, entrusts his fellow ninja with a package that he instructs to give to his son if he died that day. That ninja was Uncle Lee. And while Jen Mu's dad did fall on the field of battle, Uncle Lee somehow got away and had to live his life in shame and exile. But now, in front of Jen Mu, he produces the package that was entrusted to him. Jen Mu receives it gratefully, then notices that Uncle Lee's faltering. Apparently, Uncle Lee swallowed some poison before this meeting to try and regain the faith that he lost when he survived that battle with Jen Mu's dad. As the poison takes excruciating effect, Uncle Lee hands Jen Mu the other half of the Golden Buddha pendant. And now, because of the pain of the poison, he asks Genmu to end it quickly for him. Genmu obliges by neatly separating Uncle Lee's head from his shoulders, just as Jay appears in the distance. Blinded with rage, Jay tears off after Genmu and and uses very harsh words within very close proximity. You listen to this? I'm gonna kill your ass! You son of a bitch! Your stinking father was a cowardly horror! You'd better watch it, Chinaman. Your father was a son of a bitch and a coward! You're determined to die, aren't you? For you, I don't need a sword, though. Fight scene. With a formal challenge in place, the guys head into the pagoda and start a fantastically choreographed battle that really shows off the actor's physical skills. The fight also showcases some unique tricks, like Genmu fighting like a bat as he hangs from the rafters, or Jay using a blanket to blend seamlessly, and kind of ridiculously, into the wallpaper. So much so that Genmu can't see him at all, as it's made to look like Jay simply dissolves into thin air like he's got some kind of cloaking device. Now, in reality, if you held up a white blanket in front of a white wall to hide from a ninja, that white wall would look like a Pollock painting with your guts used as the paintbrush. To combat the illusion, Genmu grabs some needles and pokes three small holes in the fabric as they spar. When Jay tries the trick again, Genmu can see the holes and lays into Jay. The fight continues up the stairs, but momentum has swung to Genmu, who now moves around the room at will. Jay moves the fight upstairs further, and the guys take turns belting each other around without making any headway. There's a great little scene where each of the combatants wonders to himself about the endurance and skill of the other. 
They both try to hide their aches and pains so they can still do the macho strut when they clash again. They intercut some humor for a slight reprieve, but then get right back into it with a great sequence of straight-up kung fu. Here, Genmu starts to try to explain what Jay actually saw. Of course, Jay isn't so quick to believe it, so they just continue to pummel one another. The fight moves to the railing, and as the fighters grapple, both fall over the railing and only save themselves from a certain death by snagging a rope with their foot. As they dangle there, Jay notices the other half of the Buddha swinging from Genmu's clothing. Where'd you get that Buddha? From the old man. Just before he died, he wanted us to be brothers. I tried to tell you. No, no, he didn't try to tell him. Anyway, before they can declare their brotherly love for one another now, the rail starts to break, and the two work together to save themselves from a long drop. As they recover from their fight, they look down to see a small army advancing on the pagoda. And this guy is the father of that phony god-skill kung fu master from earlier. I mean, he did say he was going to get his father, I guess. But really? Anyway, the father here is played by Thunderleg himself, Wang Jiang Li. The two newly minted brothers head down to confront the kung fu wizard and watch as his minions start constructing a temple of magic to prepare the wizard for the fight. It's a really cool scene, but again, it's just kind of crazy bizarre. You insulted my son. You insulted me. You insulted my magic. My magic. Now face the holy disciples and receive your punishment. Fight scene. The wizard sends out his first fanatic to soften up the brothers, and this guy seems to be impervious to weaponry. Jay meets the fanatic with a sword, and they go through a brilliant bit of swordplay, even though none of Jay's strikes leave so much as a dent. The fanatic stops Jay's blade with his bare hands, then plants a kick right in Jay's chest, which throws him backwards. Genmu jumps in and instinctively grabs the sword as well, but is quickly reminded that it probably won't do much good. <laughs> Give that sword to your wife for cutting vegetables. <laughs> the smirking fanatic steps forward for an attack when Genmu lets his sword slice through the air. It connects and then cleanly slices right through the fanatic's leg, leaving him with a bloody stump. Confused at how this happened, Jay offers a theory that since Genmu is a Japanese foreigner, the local Chinese magic of the wizard has no effect. Good to know. The wizard dispatches his second fanatic, a portly Shaolin monk armed with a staff. Jay figures to leave this one to Genmu since he's impervious to Chinese magic. Genmu advances with his blade, and the monk counters with his staff in a fantastic exchange of skill. Genmu's fighting style looks so unique compared to all the kung fu that we've seen thus far, and for his part, the monk shows off some impressive pole fighting skills in response. The pair move quickly and efficiently until Genmu executes a flip over the monk then slices off his right ear. The startled monk looks for his ear, which Jay has now picked up off the ground. We can't make a silk purse out of this. Yeah. Genmu presses his attack again and lures the monk near the river, where Jay jumps in and lands a double kick to the chest that sends the monk crashing into the water. Unfortunately, the monk can't swim and is quickly sucked down into the deep. With no fanatics left to send in, the wizard starts to hum himself into a trance while Jay and Genmu figure out what to do next. As they talk, a bunch of firebombs rain down around them. Jay and Genmu whip out some cloth and catch the next volley of bombs and redirect them towards the wizard's army, sending them all scattering. Still perched atop his magic scaffolding, the wizard refuses to budge, so Jay comes up with an alternate plan. The pair split up for a moment, and when the wizard looks down to see what's going on, he notices a shape moving under the ground towards his perch. Then he spots Jay, not on the ground though, but high up on stilts. Stilts high enough to put Jay right at the wizard's level on the makeshift tower. With Genmu underneath and Jay up top, they start to attack the scaffolding and start cutting it down, 
sending the wizard somersaulting for the ground below. Final fight. Jay and Jenmu attack as one, but the wizard is no easy target. Wang Jiang Li goes right to the kicking and uses it to push the brothers back to regroup. With some distance between them, the wizard starts to enact a magic spell of sorts which will allow a demon to possess him. The brothers attack again, determined to disrupt this possession, and it's an awesome traditional fight scene with everyone getting to put their martial arts on display. And it's not a Wang Jiang Li fight scene if he doesn't unleash his flying double kick. The wizard is more than capable of holding off Jay and Jenmu, which forces Jay to rethink his strategy. After getting in close to the wizard, Jay lets loose one of Charlie's dirty magazines. The wizard catches the falling book and accidentally looks at a picture of a naked woman. Now, it's just a drawing of a naked woman, but it has a physical effect on the wizard. No, not that, you perverts. The picture sort of explodes and throws the wizard backwards. Ha, I thought so. Charlie's dirty artwork sure took care of that. Why did the picture affect him so? The practice of God skills demands pure thoughts. You have to avoid women. So a wizard with God skill Kung Fu who can summon demons to possess him and his kryptonite is sex? This explains why Godskill Kung Fu was never the most popular Kung Fu style in the 70s. And now refocused wizard grabs a cannonball and starts throwing it around as Mu and Jay do whatever they can to avoid getting their heads bashed in. The fight swings in the wizard's favor for a bit until Mu evades a vicious hit and plants an explosive on the cannonball as it returns to the wizard. And once in his hand, the cannonball explodes, leaving the wizard with a Daffy Duck-style black charred face and torn up clothes from the resulting explosion. Still, the wizard keeps pressing, and for a few minutes, we get to see Thunderleg in action again as he works an all-kick attack. Jay and Jenmu again are outmatched for a moment when Charlie and Akane come running in. And back to Bizarro World we go for a second. Jay, upon seeing Akane, decides that they now have one more secret weapon to defeat the wizard. Jenmu, who last saw his wife die at the hands of his former master, isn't quite so moved by the reunion. Perhaps it's because he's preoccupied with a demon-possessed wizard? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Jay, meanwhile, rushes over to Akane and quickly slices open her kimono, revealing a healthy dose of cleavage and underboob, and then directs Jenmu to face the wizard towards her. Jenmu complies, and when the wizard's eyes lands on Akane's exposed lady bits, these cartoon rays fly in and flood the wizard's face as he screams in agony. Or ecstasy, I'll let you decide. But anyway, Jenmu lets the wizard go to cover up his wife, so Jay jumps in and starts to rain down some punishment on the weakened and disoriented magician. Stumbling backwards, the wizard can't seem to get his bearing straight as Jenmu returns and piles on the beatdown. Pinned against the pagoda, the wizard takes a ton of hurt from Jay, who then grabs some stray rope and wraps it around the wizard's arms and neck. He then pulls hard on the rope and strings him up high along the side of the building. Jenmu, seizing the opportunity, pulls out two darts and fires them right at the wizard, landing both in his head. Charlie, in his infinite wisdom, sums up this film about as well as anyone else. <laughs> it's just like I've always said. You can do battle with strength, you can do battle with wits, but no weapon can beat a great pair of tits. The third clue for the USA Nunchaku giveaway is Dan Inosanto. So, a round of applause for Corey Yun's directorial debut, which was loaded with incredible action sequences, as well as lots of light humor, and some truly, truly bizarre scenes. Peter Nepstad at the Illuminated Lantern summed this film up thusly, quote, It has a wonderful beginning, a solid middle, and a pointless but fun ending, and the theme song gets reprised throughout. Shaka Ninja. Shaka Ninja indeed, Peter. Shaka Ninja indeed.
All in all, maybe not the most cohesive storytelling, but a fun film throughout and loads of great action, especially if you're a fan of ninja lore. The film is available on YouTube and clocks in at about an hour and 40 minutes, so if you have the time, give it a watch and just enjoy the ride. Alright gang, that's it for this episode. As always, holler at me on all the social media and shoutouts to all my castaways and all you fans who keep me chugging along. Until next time, Poison Clan. Peace. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea roaming over the lands. Yeah, the little bit soldier is old and wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to raise jars. Fight for the cars, then pause here. The pause, not again. Back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but boards don't hit back. Yeah, the death jewels here. David Yee is coming back. The Tai Chi master, Jetley's even faster. Could chat a little drink because he is the drunken master. Once upon a time, a shiner. Rosamund Kwan is real fine, but see, Maggie chose his spiner. Golden Swallow has arrived. Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive. We've got the brave archer make his way to the top of the mountain, gonna fight. May as well pick the spot. Yeah, the sky goes black, cause the vampire's back. We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all, to stand back. He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword. And our sword will travel until his body's on floors. Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Mantis style. Yeah, the Feed the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See, it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss. It's once upon a time in China, counting the TikTok. The Shogun Assassin slash and blood just drip drop. The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop. Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins. He's got Irma just in yellow, but she isn't the dragon, but in the tea rooms. That's where it'll happen, she got the bodies on the floor. When the blood, it'll splatter against the walls. No fear at all, to kill them all. There's always blood spilled when you head into a war. Fearless. Unleashed The fist of legend that the car jet leaf I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm To smash the place so with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting